Hey everybody, it's Richard Harris and Scott Lease with another episode of the Surf and Sales Podcast. Uh, we have a, a fun and exciting guest today uh, for a lot of reasons, but for, for the short version of it, please welcome Ian Moyce, who's the EMEA sales director of a company called Natterbox. Um, he's based, I believe in the UK, is that right, Ian? That, that is correct, about 30 to 35 miles just outside London. Great, so just give everybody a, a sense of a little bit about you know what that means for the head of EMEA, what Natterbox does, what's your sales cycle like, just so they have some context for where you're, where part of your positions are coming from. Sure, sure, yeah. So um, Natterbox, we're a cloud telephony provider in the Salesforce world. So we help businesses put phone systems in that use their customer data to personalize and give insight and do lots of wondrous and clever things which to, in today's world is, is an interesting time, right? Because everyone's uh, wanting to work anywhere at any time, cloud-based. So we're, we're in a good, we're, we're lucky enough, fortunate enough to be in the right area of space. I run the sales team for Europe. Uh, we, are, we have a global business with offices US, Australia, and UK. So we do have global responsibility. Um, and I've been doing cloud computing type stuff for about 13 or 14 years now and been in IT for many, many, many years more than that. Um, so I've seen the shift of, you know, if this, I, I guess a context point would be if what we're seeing right now had happened not so many years ago, it would be a lot more challenging for people to work from home and to work remotely. Um, you know, so the technology, not that it was designed for, for COVID, but as a, enabled and empowered us to be able to handle this far better than we would have done 15, 20 years ago, for sure. Yeah. One of the reasons that, that you're here um, is that you, you, you cold emailed me, right? You, you hit me up on LinkedIn and you just said, hey man, I think I got something interesting to say. I've been talking about social selling for a large part of my career. You've got a strong following on LinkedIn. Yep. And, and we were like, all right, let's go talk about this. We've also been very conscious to uh, try and bring in more people from Europe and UK to the podcast because we want to try and make sure that everybody's got a voice. Um, sure. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, the thing that struck us the most was your, you said, you know, you've been doing social selling for years and years and years. Yep. What did it look like years ago for you when you first started it? And, and what was the realization for you? When was the yeah. realization as well? Well, it, yeah. And it certainly wasn't called social selling, right? So, there wasn't a book to go and buy on it. There wasn't all the webinars and guides. It was literally driven by the fact that running sales teams, you are constantly striving to figure out where's my next um, target going to come from, right? And what I was watching, and everyone should recognize, uh, and this should resonate with, is the biodynamic was changing. All of us, and everyone listens, watches, etc., to this, we have changed, our behaviors change and change because of the environment we're in, because of technology. You know, Amazon didn't exist before. So we couldn't have bought the stuff and had it shipped and arrived the same day. That was an unknown concept. So because of the, what's happened in us, the world around us, that technology has changed and enabled with the Ubers and you know, there's a thousand examples. Buyers started to become, behave differently with the nature of, uh, of the web. Right, not the internet, but the web. But what web change? What changes do you see? I mean, I think they're obvious, but I, you know, I'm big on sort of not using buzzwords, right? So sure. when I hear buyer journey and behavior changes, 
Sure. What did you see? What did you notice? People are more informed. The cut, you know, the, the old days, you'd walk into a customer. A couple of things, and we'll probably context this on the way it works now. But you know, we all remember the suited and booted. First impressions count. Dress up. You know, you, you go in to see the customer, and you'd physically go and see them. You'd know very little about them or as an individual their business beforehand, because you couldn't just look it up on the web in three seconds on the mobile. Uh, on the train or the taxi on the way to the office you just couldn't do it that way so you try and find something out but it was hard it was hard so you'd turn up and you'd ask them and they'd ask you tell tell us about what your business does I know a little bit but tell me about it and you'd look at you know who remembers looking at pictures in their office oh there's a picture of oh do you like sailing I know it's all the sailing stuff oh well where'd you go sailing you'd build rapport and get to know the individual by the sub liminal clues of physically you know that you got physically today both the organ both you as a salesperson and the customer can find an awful lot about each other without ever having spoken and without leaving your seat while we're here richard you know if i wanted i could look you up on linkedin i could think well okay is richard on facebook instagram let's try and find is he link and then oh there's some stuff oh that's private oh he likes this is soccer team whatever I can research and, and find it. I can see who you're connected to. I can figure out who do you know that I know and know that you know someone that mm. I knew three years ago and ask them about you and what, what, what are you like as a character where there are so many things you could do if you choose to do them. Yeah, so, so let, me, let me jump into sort of how you leverage that. And, you know, you're, you know, if I, you're somewhere roughly around 35 or 40,000 followers on LinkedIn, which for these days is a pretty healthy in the sales world, if not yep. very healthy. How did you start doing that? Did you just sort of realize this 10 years ago and start connecting with people? Was it the last five years, the last three years? Like I think Scott and I, you know, we've talked about it a lot. We do it a lot. Um, I think we got serious about it in 2018. So yep. two and a half years. So how long did it take you to build your... Yeah, you, you hit the nail pretty much on the, the head there, Richard. So it was more by accident. I remember working at a particular company where the marketing... I was in the States, in, in Boulder, in Colorado. I lived there for a few months, setting up our US operation many years ago. And I remember the marketing was said, oh my gosh, you've got 2,000 followers. We're at dinner one night with a group of people. And, and that always resonated. That's my milestone, because I can remember that number and that conversation. Um, and that was about, I guess, around 2010 time period, right? But what I dawned on is if you have the more interesting the connections you get, the more other, the, the, the way that certainly in LinkedIn, the algorithms work is the more profiles you can see and the more connections you can see. Um, and I also started a group back then for um, sales and channel people, etc not knowing what I was going to do with it, but just, oh, there, there seems to be a gap. I'll start one. That's now got f approaching 41,000 members. And it's quite active and, it, and it's constantly every day there's, there's people joining it and growing. Um, so I think some of it's right time, right place. It's, it's, that never means you can't start, but it takes time is probably what, what you're looking for. It, it's not an overnight, three minutes later, you've suddenly got those connections. And, and the challenge with LinkedIn is people have to follow now. Once you go past 30,000 connections, you, you can't connect anymore. So people have to follow your profile. Um, so I've got five or 6,000 that you've noted on there that have organically chosen to follow. 
that I can invite them. You, you can. There is a hard stop at 30,000 actual connections. Yep. Um, how, do you, how do you feel about this uh, hard stop at the arbitrary number of 30,000? Yeah. Well, I have an opinion that it's a technical limitation of the LinkedIn platform because it did, the, the, the limit didn't used to be there. Um, and I know a number of people who had far greater connections. And at the point they flipped that switch, they turned all those connections over that number into followers and changed their policy. And I think because what we all notice, and we're all discussing, right? When you get into that sphere of influence, et cetera, a lot of us talk and we were talking of, are you noticing things on LinkedIn falling over and things wouldn't work and you've got to do something basic? There was something technical. There was a technical issue. And I suspect rather than fix the technical issue, they put a policy in place, it was an easy fix, and that's that done right. Because you used to be able to have, there was no, I, I knew one person had 60, 70,000 connections. So it didn't stop, but it did impact the performance of your user ID incredibly when, you, when you went above it. It would be great if they uh, decided to get back in the lab and innovate and fix this particular technical issue, if that's in fact the issue. I mean, I've got, I'm right at 50,000 followers right yeah. now. And I've got thousands of pending connection requests sitting there that yeah. I can't do anything. It's, pain, it's painful, right? It's really frustrating. You know, you want to you want to connect with people, you want to help people. You, you never know, you know, who might be able to help you. Well, I find I find, I find <laughs> Scott, they created you another job, right? Because if you want to be polite, and someone sends you one with a personal message. Now you want to go. Well, uh, now I've got effort on me to go. Sorry, I can't. I can't just click one button. I've got to respond with a message to explain. So and I've That's ended great. up in conversations with people saying, "What do you mean?" And having to explain it and send them to a link yep. to explain why I'm not being rude, but you can. No, you can't. You yeah. know, yeah, I totally agree. It, it I've been, just, I've been it, in that same, same spot. How do you, how do you, because you, you've reached that limitation as well, and, and I've spoken to people there, and I think it's less technical, and I think it's policy, although I can also understand that maybe, it, you know, if too, if too many people have that many connections, maybe there's some server issue, but, you know, that, that feels like a 101 problem they should be able to solve, right? <laughs> like, um, what, how do you leverage LinkedIn? right? Like how do you use it at your level? You're, so you're at the management level. Uh, yeah. How many people are on your team? Uh, we've, I've got about eight people uh, in my region and then we've got other regions. And, and just so people have context, what's your average deal size or, or, or sales cycle? So, yeah, so, so we, we, we vary because we've got different sectors we go after. So the deal sizes can be from quite small to quite, to, you know enterprise level and large you know we've got companies that are using us in 28 countries one using us in 14 countries so they can be it stretches because it's cloud right it's cloud so um and deal, deal cycles again typically 60 to 90 days but but with what's going on we've seen some very quick panics with is businesses your, your to be online in days. is your customer a developer it person Raise that one again. Sorry, I lost the part of the question. Yeah. Apologies. Is your buyer typically a, a IT or tech person? And again, it varies, Richard. They're, they're typically involved, but often we have head of customer experience. Sometimes it can be led by the sales director wanting to in, improve the efficiency of their team. Some It can be a contact head of contact center, head of marketing looking for the true 360. So how do you, so how do you leverage social selling at the management level? And then how do you encourage your team to leverage at their level? Sure. 
So the easy one is obviously about research. And the first, so let's go through a dialogue. The first thing when any of my team says, oh, here's a suspect, a lead, a prospect, whatever you want to call it, at whatever stage, and, and they know this, and I always have to slow them down because they want to tell you about it. Like, oh, yeah, and I'm talking to the, I'm doing this, and we've got this, and I always slow them down. Slow down. Who, 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 give me the name again. And I make them wait while I look it up. Every single time, I want to know who are the people you're talking to. Oh, I've got four or five here. Okay, well, start pinging me the LinkedIn. Then send me the links. Send me the links on Slack or, or, or Hangout. Send me the links now so I can just click. And I'm looking at them. You know, they want to tell you the story. I've just had a great demo and, and this, slow down. And I, and I must frustrate them because it's like, I want to know the individual. And they have to wait while I look each one up. And the reason I'm doing it is, firstly, I, I want to get a feel for what can I spot about the individual that they may have missed. And is there any connections and shared connections I've got? Because as soon as I look, see shared connections, and the more connections you've got, Scott, you'll find this, the more likely it is the shared. The first thing I'm then looking for is, okay, we've got 22 shared connections. Who are the strongest ones to me out of that? Are there two or three, perhaps, where I've worked with them before? I, oh, crikey, I could phone Sue up in two seconds. I could phone Bob up in a second. Right, those are the first ones. And I reach out there and there. Well, before we go any further, Bob, this connection, um, we share. How well do you know them? Ping, ping. Because what I'm looking for is someone to come back to me and say, oh, my God, my, they go to the same school as my kid. Where I play golf. Oh, I used to go to college with them. Bang. Where I can get a gauge on. Tell me. Then I move into tell me about that individual. You know, oh, well, if you've got five minutes, jump on a call, what they like. So I go through everyone method, methodically. I force my team to find those connections. You've got to find them. And then we look, what we've just used is, LinkedIn Navigator's Teams link piece where... Well, Ian, I got a question. I got a question. You, you said you probably are frustrating your team, right? Yeah. At what point are you frustrated with your team that you've heard me do this a thousand times? Why are you not bringing me this information? Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. And, and sometimes they're expecting it, right? It's a bit of a joke with, yeah, okay, I've got the links. And, they, and sometimes they just send me the links up front. But, 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 but even to that point... The link that's still them. It feels like they're still being lazy. I'll call your team out. You're being lazy. You should be coming to Ian to say, here's what I know, Ian, blank, 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 blank. Like when do, when do we stop fishing for them and teach them to fish? So, so I'll, I'll support them and go the other, other way that sometimes they do. Right? It's a mix, but, but I'm meticulous on it. But on the other side, I'm also pushing them on 400 jobs to do. So their, their retort would be, have you seen the, all the other stuff he's driving us to do and, and, and the training? I've got him going through online learning at the moment, tons and tons of stuff. So, you know, I, I don't mind so much because they're learning from it. But you're right, right? It needs to become habitual that you do these things. The other thing I think is, is having that, the example, so let me get you need to be Sherlock, not Lestrade. Let me tell you what I mean by that. And this is the harder one, I think, to coach because it's a, it's a behaviour, it's who you are. Um, Lestrade in the Sherlock Holmes stories would go into a room, see 30 things and say, well, look, there's a knife in the back. Uh, this is what happened and this is who did it. Type it that, right. Sherlock would walk, walk in and say 50 other things, make 12 other connections that weren't spotted. Say, no, the story's wrong. Here's I found something different. And that's what it's like to a degree with social. I have done this. I've run training sessions for other, you know, different groups. I've, I've presented at events. 
And I've done this where I've actually tested it and put on the screen a real live profile. I said, what clues do you spot from that before you call this? You're, 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 you're booked a conversation with this individual at this company. What, what clues does that give you? Did you, use, had, did you use this methodology when you reached out to Richard to book the uh, podcast? Well, well I, look for, I look for triggers, right? So if I see someone sharing something or talking about something else or doing so, I've just reached out to someone else uh, 10 minutes ago where I saw a couple of people I know on a, on a webinar and I immediately reached out to the host on a, a, I hadn't come across with, just saw you doing it with them. I know what they're going to talk about. Here's a complimentary angle. Right, so it's always about, for me, a monitoring, looking for triggers uh, and looking for s s nuggets of information. And I put this up at an event, right? So I'll put it up at an event with a large audience and the whole audience will miss key clues that are sat in front of them. Click, it then highlights those clues and you get the, uh-huh, oh my, oh yeah. But you need to be spotting them. Okay, one of them, for example, was an individual that on there buried away in their profile pieces had the had the procurement targets they had so you had a clue of i know they're going to ask for a discount and i know the range they're going to ask for because they put it down deep in their profile of you know my job role is boom 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 to save the company between this and this on average boom is that useful to know before you have that phone call i would suggest it would be and i put it in front of audiences and they miss it yeah we, we've there. had We've had a number of uh, UK friends and and colleagues on the show at this point. Daniel Disney and I know Richard, I know damn well Richard Smith and, and folks like this. Yeah, and they they to to a man and a woman. Alison Edgar is another one I could think of. Jules, I know Alison. Small they, world. They they all say that the UK is well behind the US when it comes to social selling and personal branding and what have you. Why do you think that is, in your opinion? Potentially a cultural thing that that we're not as uh, put, we don't put ourselves out there maybe en enough. We're, we're more reserved. Potentially, you know the the the, the English way. Uh, how do you how do you combat that as a as a leader and somebody who's all about you know change management and and a practitioner of social selling and an advocate for it? How how do you how are you working against maybe this like cultural, you know, inhibition or, or what have you? Well, uh, as long as that competition doesn't do it, I, I'm quite happy with that and leave them to it. Um, <laughs> for, for my teams and when I engage with people at events, etc., mine is to lead by example and show basic examples. I think the words social selling and personal branding both sound quite illustrious. They sound quite highbrow that, oh, if you don't know what it's what's involved, and that's what I often find is people haven't got under the covers to understand. And I'm sure when Dan spoke, it's pretty basic stuff, right? And I've been in Dan's sessions and, and we, we've played off each other. It's not rocket science. I always say there's none of this is rocket science or complex or costly. None of it do you need to go and buy as an individual sales contributor, expensive tools or training, etc. It's having having the bravado to say i want to understand this and i'll do something about it that's it yeah and because then, it's all small it, nuggets of small steps and then do it consistently right absolutely yeah become habitual for me it's the word habitual get into the habit of doing it so you just do it by the nature of, of behavior so 
were you involved in, you know, this uh, doing keynotes and, and what have you um, before you got into social selling or, or has this kind of part of your life and, and, and your knowledge in social selling and branding sort of spawned off a side business for you, a side, a side hustle, if you will. And now you're working at your regular org, yes, but you've got all this consulting work going on at the same time. Yeah, so it's a good question. So before that side, I'm in the cloud area. So I was speaking on cloud. I'm a school speaker and technology. Um, and then through social selling and personal branding and falling into it by accident of trying to stay relevant and still produce sales results, to be honest, figure it, trying to figure out myself of, well, what do we need to do differently? Because it's getting harder and harder and it's different. Um, I sort of fell into this and then the, the terms of what it is came around. You know, I didn't know what, what they were labeled before. Making your LinkedIn profile look as best as it can be and making it look better than everyone else's and more informative and more relevant and interesting, etc. Who knew that was personal branding? I just saw that as part of the, the nature of the beast. Because we, we have this debate a lot. What in your mind defines interesting and relevant? Is it more about the company you represent or is it more about you, Ian, the human? It's more about you as an individual. So what kind of things do you encourage people to put up there? Because we, we love, and I'm really excited to hear you say it, because a lot of people, you know, particularly a lot of the startup founders, they're like, no, we need everybody to have our brand. And it's kind of like, yeah. you know, yeah. LeBron's not pitching Sprite for free. You know, granted, we're not LeBron, which, yeah. you know, uh, what is, how do you explain that to people? And, and have you had that? So one, what kinds of things are important Two, yep. you had pushback from your company to say, we want this and you've had to say no. So, yeah. So I, I when I, when I've had rooms of people in conferences, on this, I've, one of the questions that comes that absolutely relates to that is yeah, yeah, but the marketing team controls the brand. The marketing team says we can't do stuff on social and more for the marketing team and the brand control and brand police, right? So the, the stuff that comes out from the company, absolutely brand. But you're, what, what do you do when you send a salesperson out to meet a customer? You're not sat beside them saying, don't say that, don't phrase that, don't use that. You, you tr you've got to trust them to some point, right? People get scared because it's on social media, but your, your personal brand is your personal brand. People buy from people, right? People engage with people. You may say, oh, yeah, I bought something from XYZ the other day. But when you talk about if someone says, well, what was it like? Oh, well, the guy came in and, and we did this and they talked me. You, the, the discussion won't be you don't describe it as the company any longer. You describe it as the, as the interaction you had. Oh, the team there was great. And they did this and did this. And, and you know, it, it, that's the thing you've got to understand. The, the fear I see in some businesses is that. Well, if I have my people create their own personal brand and they leave, it goes with them. Yes, it does because it's them. But so does their skill set. So do they. All, all right? the more reason they should be scared, right? Like, but if they've got a good, but if they're good at this and they've got a good personal brand, that's what attracts you to want them, right? And I say to people, right, okay, I get that. I get, I get where your opinion's coming from. But when you do recruitment, you, if you look at a profile, you look at who they are, particularly if it's a sales role. And you see they don't have a profile picture or their or their or their social, their LinkedIn is, is just abysmal and it's three years out of date and, and it's bad and it's not re representative. Do you just swipe that? No, 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 we take note of that. It's not good. Right. So you, so you want it to be good, but you don't want it to be good if they're leaving you. So you know, what you, are, you gotta 
get real. It's a different world we live in now. What are the, what are the types of uh, content on LinkedIn that you like to share and, and how are you measuring, you know, your own success on there? Yeah, so I was run by this a, a, a rule I came across, whether it's correct scientifically or not, which was the 41111 rule. So it's that for every four pieces of content, only one of them can be something to do with where, where you're being company promotional. It's something about your company yeah. type thing. Yeah. So, you know, you want to mix it up with informational, educational, something where it's a thought leadership type piece of content, something where it's giving value back to your audience. You can have something a little bit personal in there, something a bit humorous, but there's a balance and then company piece, but not as I see some people do where they're, they're driven by their company. I guess, Richard, to your point of have the company brand and now do social advocacy, which means we'll produce something from the company and share it. And now we'll send a link to you and you just go in and share our post. And that's all you're going to do. Yeah. So how, how, how are you measuring, how are you measuring your success in terms of, the content that you're sharing? Are, are you somebody who pays attention to vanity metrics or do you look at the engagement or do you judge it based on? So as a, as a business, we, we, we run on the, on the corporate stuff, engagement and metrics and all, all I that mean, type I of stuff. I mean, for you, for you. But me, per, me personally, I look, I look for the amount of engagement you get on that because shares, if you want to, you can push, right? You, you can contact your 30 friends and say, share it. But, that, but that's cosmetic because unless those individuals have got the right audience, it's irrelevant. So if you've got 30 friends, you've got 10, 10 connections each, it doesn't matter. It's not going to get to the audience anyway. What you want, for example, if I publish something on sales, if Alison, you mentioned who I know, and Dan, um, like that comment and share it, it has more value because the way the algorithms work in these platforms is far more sophisticated than it was in the, in the early days, right? Same as Google's SEO. Sure. They've gone past the gamification of a few clicks and off you go. It, it's now far more sophisticated. So they're looking at the value of the engagement you get and the reach. How, so how do you go about, or do you at all, how do you go about pruning your network and trying to keep it as powerful and relevant as possible as somebody who's maxed out connections the same yep. way I, I, I cannot find a clean, simple, efficient way to do this. I, I continue no. to do it and it takes hours and is yep. like, I'd rather eat shards of razor blades, I think. than, than Yeah. Do. Yeah. There's no, yeah. And, and, and I haven't got the answer for you, I'm afraid because there's no easy way, right? On LinkedIn, I would suggest it'd be great to be able to filter on, uh, you know, activity. How many pro dead profiles have you got on there, Scott? Or I've got where people haven't used them anymore. Yeah, I, I, recently, I recently spent multiple weekends kind of going through and, and trying to find dead or nearly dead profiles. And I found about 450. And I removed all those and quickly re-added 450 new ones that felt more yeah. relevant. But so it's I'm, a lot of work, right? It, it took hours and was yeah. brutally painful. Just torture. Yeah. 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 I, I've raised things like that to LinkedIn before because I was one of the founding members of the LinkedIn Navigator community um, that they invited me into. Um, so I had some feedback in. But yeah, I agree. There should be some tools in there for pruning based on they've set the limit, particularly. Um, and of course, there's no third parties because they don't extend the APIs to allow that to come. Otherwise, I think we'd have seen third party tools enabling us to better manage our community. 
Um, but yeah, it, it's just one of the challenges that comes with the beast. Um, but what I've done off the back of LinkedIn, when I started to hit the limit, that's why, if nothing else, it drove me to go on and look at the other platforms because I realized it was limiting me because I, I used to just be on LinkedIn. And then as I started getting more into this, I'm now on Instagram, Zing, the German LinkedIn. Uh, I, I go on every platform there is, A, to learn about it so I understand the nuances uh, as part of the personal branding stuff and also to make sure you know, I connect them all together. So where everyone, wherever anyone may choose to look for me as the audience, I make it easy for them as the customer to find me. What do you do? To, job to go and find. What What do you do to encourage people to, uh, you know, there, there's this balance. I think Scott was going towards of, you know, you want to post so you can be seen. Um, don't pay too attention, too much attention to the metrics, but. I don't know any human who can't, I, you know, I don't know any human who can't look at it and go, Oh, this post only got, you know, 1500 views as opposed to my other one that got 10, 20, 50,000 views. Yeah. How do you, how do you coach people or, or even yourself? I don't, I don't know what your engagement's like. You know I mean? I can sort of look at your profile and, and see yeah. it. Um, how do you encourage people to do that? Or, or what suggestions do you have to increase engagement? So I think a little bit is about building your network as well and the contacts. Because what I learned early on was it, you know, I get people say, well, you can't tag people in, but you can if it's relevant content and you can certainly if you've, if you know them, uh, if it's relevant to what they do and also if you've included them, right? So, you know, I've had a few people say we want to get more relevant uh, engagement around certain things. And I've suggested people, well, if you're writing content is an easy way is reach out to some of those individuals. I have people reach out to me and say, have you got a quote or two we could use? Which goes in there, because guess what? If you now sh go and share that piece of content and tag me in with, and great comment here from Ian, Dan, Alison, et cetera, guess what? It's relevant to tag us in because you've got us to input and we're gonna share it to our audience, if it's relevant, of course. So I learned early on in the cloud community, for example, uh, I got to know an awful lot of the influencers globally who have big followings and write articles and do what I do. And we engage with each other. So I've got some of them, quite a few of them I've met in person now. Quite a few of them have become friends, which we bump into each other on a regular basis at events in normal times. Um, and we contribute to each other's pieces, which enriches the content and also enriches the audience you, you, you reach, of course. What is, um, the, what, what is your strategy in terms of all the events that you do? Yep. And, and promoting it because I'm asking this question because I, I've, I've been doing so many events that I, I simply don't have room in my promotional day to post about all of them. And yep. then I feel a sense of obligation. I know this is why people are reaching out to me to, you know, have me on their panel or do their summit or whatever. Um, but then some of these people kind of come after you and harass you and they're like, Hey Ian, you haven't posted about this, you know, yeah. event yet. When can you do it? So I'm wondering how you, how you balance that and what your strategy is there. Maybe you well, can well, help Richard and I. Yeah. So part of it, as I always push back to, so doing things like this, I'd say to you guys, I'm sure you would is when you publish, oh, tag me in, right? Make it easy for that person to do it. Um, uh, you know, I get some that just say, Oh yeah, it's live here. So I've now got to go, I get others come to me with, actually, here's three or four sample pieces, here's the link, 
Here's the tags, everything pre-packaged. Oh, by the way, we've also taken the quote you gave us and created a quote card with your picture, Ian, as a cartoon, for example. And it's all done for you. We've packaged the whole lot. Yeah. So the effort on you, Scott, is minimal. We've done all the work for you because we're getting the value. Others just expect you, you to do, do all the effort, worry, right? Do you, do you worry, though, that then your LinkedIn feed is basically you just pushing out, hey, I'll be here, I'll be there, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Well, you've got to get a balance. I think you've got to get a balance, right? You can't what have, getting out. What's the, what's yeah, the you can't have 400 going out an hour because people will start to unfollow you because you're the only thing in their feed, right? And particularly if they've only got 100, let's say they've got 300 connections, you're going to own that, their feed permanently because no, unless, unless everyone else is posting at the same volume. So I think you've got to get a balance. Um, if there's that sort of volume, you've got to spread it out. There's no two ways about it. You you can't you cannot spam your social feed. You cannot have here's a so for example like where, where I've got uh, something I'm speaking on in a couple of weeks, Scott, and obviously you want to drive people to it. I've pre-scheduled when it goes out, and I think often when you look at a pre-schedule, I'm sure you use something like Buffer. You you can see the overegging of it when you're manually putting them in. You know, I put them in and I can see actually, yeah, I don't want to do 12 a day. I want to do one tomorrow, one the next day, leave a gap, one, and then I'll put a different one in on different periods and at different times of the day so that no one looking at it. It's like if you see an advert on TV, I always describe what you don't want is you turn on a program and the Super Bowl ads are seven of the same ad. Right, it loses its impact. But what you don't want is that you only ever run your advert in one place at one point. I see people do that as well and then never run it again. I've posted it. It's done. It's out there. So but if there hasn't been, you've got to get the right balance. And, and to your point, I think you've just got to think about that as you do it. It's not the size of your audience. It's the, it's the noise. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to ask an uncomfortable question, right? As, as, as you are a, you know, you clearly get the game, right? You, and yep. you, you, you have been there, but when I go look at your LinkedIn stuff, like there's not a lot of engagement. There's not a lot of visibility to it. So I'm curious, does it bother you? Does it not bother you? Am I not seeing it right? Like, um, you know, where, where's, there, there feels like there's a bit of a disconnect and I just want to understand it. Yeah, so a lot of the, a lot of the stuff on there you're going to see and I'm not too, so bothered about analyzing and, go, and, and, and watching all the time, to be honest, Richard, because otherwise you, I think you get, I, I've seen people get very negative and down about it or they post something and someone posts a negative comment and they take it personally um comes with that comes with the territory it happens every day exactly exactly so you move on right but where i do stuff so i do social influence for five or six major brands and that stuff i i concentrate on making sure i get the engagement form whatever the, the other stuff where it's me on a podcast I'm not so worried about people commenting or whatever. So for example, there's one coming up in a couple of weeks. I think we're last I looked, we're approaching two to just over 200 people registered now. So, you know, it, it's, I'm not looking for 2000. It's a, it's a good base. I think we'll get it up over three, four, 300, 350. That's fine. But do they need to comment on the post to do that? No. Cause they'll probably just click through to register. Yeah, but, you, but you need them to comment on the post so that you get greater engagement to get you to that so that you only have to post once or twice, not five times about it to your point. I know. And it varies, right? I know about you, but I've seen posts that 
have gone out that you you'd think were innocuous that get a mass amount of interest and following and you and you do others that you think would be more interesting and engaging and you've written a blog and it's con that, that that doesn't get as much engagement and it, it it you know it's how do you go viral and i always find that challenging of how do you produce the bit of, and i've seen some of mine get lots and lots of views in the past and it's like well that's not the one i wanted to get the views why is that why has that one got it and i don't know about you but is there any scientific way you can assimilate well, there, what to do yeah well, I, think I, mean, there is. I think there's there's a lot there's a lot of ways that you can attempt to apply science to it and things that we've learned from time of day to stylistically uh to use of emojis or storytelling don't put links in the body for example don't tag 50 people in the body you know all these kind of things um as some of the science of it. And I've still got to stuff to learn, right, right, guys? I'll put my hands up, but I am still consistently learning the hacks of how to do this stuff. Yeah. No one's perfect. Totally agree. Do you, just out of curiosity, do you, have you found on your team that there's one or two people who really get engaged in this social stuff and they've had massive success in terms of posting and trying to draw awareness? Um, or has everybody sort of been, eh, you know, we're, you know, which is often the case, particularly in, in a field sales. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit of a mix match. What, what I push them more to do is look professional, um, across all platforms, anything you're on. Right. So I'm always nagging them if, if they go on a platform, for example, we work in the Salesforce ecosystem. There's a portal there with a learning thing. And that's where people see you is and I've just been nagging in the past, is get your, you've got to have a photo, guys, right? And, use, and look professional. I hate seeing those empty profiles where you've just got it there. You know, you've got to anywhere you may be engaged or seen, uh, at least look professional. Um, and then use the tools for research and linking and connecting with that personal brand equity. And then the final bit is then, yeah, trying to create some noise out there. But for me, that's the, the salespeople that's the latter end of the importance scale. You know, some of mine have done their own videos, some have written their own content, but that's not the, the, the primary one I want to drive them to do. The primary behavior is how do you look on social, how consistent, and do you use social selling techniques to leverage others' contacts, understand, and not miss those, those clues? How do you get that competitive edge through using this, this medium? So we usually, at the end of the show, here, Ian, um, kind of try to give back a little bit and say, hey, how can sure. we help you? Is there any um, you know, questions that you have for us that we can answer? Is there anything that you're trying to you know, promote right now or, or any kind of social initiatives that you want to sure. share? We can uh, just kind of give you a little platform for. So, so how can so, we help you? Yeah, sure. So, so the question I would pose back, which I always look for is, what what top hacks or tips have you spotted recently that people are missing because i think what people look for and i certainly look for is what can i i'm always looking for those little nuggets of something that isn't going to take you three weeks and ten thousand dollars to do so those little things that you've just missed that are the simple tips that you can go off and do and take action from is there anything you, you any yeah. key ones going on right now that you think yeah you, you, this would be a good one so there's there, there's a couple, I'll maybe raise one or two and then I'll, I'll turn it over to Richard. Um, and it, my tips are more for people like yourself who have a large following and, and whatnot. Um, 
I've recently, within the last couple months, started using the featured section of my profile specifically to publicize events that I'm doing. I've found that this is a way for me to kind of keep the word out there, but um, not kind of fill my feed with just promotional posts. So that's that's one of the okay. tips I would tell that's you good. is to utilize that featured section. I also yeah. utilize that featured section for, um, you know, like I have a Patreon account now and, um, you know, Surf and Sales podcast we could put there, just things that are not like a part of my real, you know, business kind of profile, um, as well as like posts of mine, old posts that have done really well. So I had a post a week or two ago that got um, 300,000 likes or something like that, or not likes, but uh, views that did yeah. really well. Um, so I leave that up there, right? It's a couple posts so people can get a glimpse of like what the content might be like if they uh, were to follow me. Um, so that that's that's one tip right there. And then cool. in, in terms of in terms of writing, um, you know, it's all about getting a post out in the morning. You know, those have the whole day; they do significantly better, and you got to time it a little bit to your to your audience. So. I tend to write stuff about 8 a.m. Central Time in America, which, uh, you know, is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. People are working 8 a.m. Central. People are working at 6 a.m. Pacific California time. People are just waking up. And then, you know, I'm six hours behind you. So if I post at 8 o'clock, it's like 2 p.m. your time. People are kind of yep. fresh off lunch. So I'm, I think of it in, in those kind of, uh, kind of terms. Like I'm not going to post something at 10 o'clock at night no matter how good it is because it's just not going to go anywhere. So, yeah. so one, one, one new tip and one kind of old tip. What about you, Richard? You're muted. Yeah, I, I, I've been, you know, Scott and I bounce stuff like this off each other all the time. So we, we have that leverage of trying to leverage the feature piece. Um, I've, I'm probably known as one of the more over posters as Scott always tells me to stop. Um, but I don't like to plan it as well. Um, and so I, I, that's my challenge, uh, is to slow down, um, working on, to your point, the buffer stuff and getting things out earlier in the morning. Um, I found that things that are emotional, um, professionally controversial is okay. Um, you know, not, not, um, you know, I don't call people out. Like, I think that's bad. I might call out the situation, but not the people. Um, I think, you know, to Scott's point, you know, links never go in the main body. Pictures never go in the main body. Uh, videos don't, although it's interesting. There's, there's a balance in there between um, you still want the image out there. And it's, you know, I think my challenge with LinkedIn is that they're, trying to say they're not a marketing platform yet they want to be a marketing platform mm -hmm. and they they haven't figured it out either which is interesting um so i think those are the pieces i do so sometimes i will post an image you know sometimes i will post you know our podcast brand because we just want the brand to be out there knowing the engagement's less but knowing the engagement it gets is visibility for later so i think that's the biggest challenge right and mm -hmm. i tend to balance things um, sort of, you know, once in the morning early, but then once again, about four o'clock Pacific time is sort of when the clock resets. Cause I think they have LinkedIn on a GMT schedule. 
Um, so I try, sometimes I'll post in the afternoon. Um, so it just, it's just, to your point, it's a game. Those are the things that yeah. we focus on and play with. Uh, anything different than what you do, or is there something we missed? No, I, I mean, I, I always try and embed where possible. Sometimes I don't get the content to do it, but embed the vi video natively on LinkedIn, because I don't know about you, but I've noticed if, if it's not on their platform, it, it gets deranked. Yeah. So I see a lot of people posting the, the YouTube link where they've got the source video. I said, post the source video because it will just do better. So it's, yep. you know, yeah, they don't want you so many little tricks. Yeah, they don't, they don't want you to go to another plat platform. No, right? exactly. It's all about eyeballs. That's yep. why the link in the comments is why people do that, right? Like, it, That's why the emojis are there. That's why people write in unique ways and, you know, it's three word sentences and, you know, the next line, skip a line and the next line and all those kinds of things are the, yeah. are the hacks that we're all focusing on. So at some point it'll be nice if they could figure out a different way to do it. But in the meantime, that's the game we play. Yeah. 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 The, the, the only hack I'd give, which uh, usually at the end people say, well, how will people get in touch with you? Is a hack in itself is you don't need to go and search on the platforms. You can go to ianmoist.co.uk or ianmoist.cloud and that'll take you straight to those two in, with my LinkedIn and Twitter feeds. Um, but I've done it on all of them. So I've bought my own domains across all the platforms, which are cheap, right? Yeah. They're well, cheaper if you've got a name like mine, which is unusual. <laughs> thanks for spending uh, your afternoon with us, Ian. It's been great getting to know you and, and chat with you and stay in touch. Man. And, uh, thank you for no, Thank you for the opportunity. And yeah. you know, during, during COVID times, it gives us time to learn new things, if nothing else, right? That's right. right. Thanks, Ian. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Enjoy the day. Take care. Bye.